It is so good to have brother and sister Phillips with us. It's just been tremendous. Now, Sunday, he, Lord willing, he's going to come back. We're going to start a whole month of a revival um, in October with this evangelist. We may, go to, we may go to the first of the year. Listen, it's time to run the wheels off this thing. We're not playing it safe. I remember, I remember when I was a kid, and I promise I'm not going to preach, but it's awful tempting with what I'm feeling right now. But I remember as a kid, my dad had a car. Why is it in the 60s they had cars that looked like boats? I am telling you, this thing, it looked like the only thing that it lacked was a rudder. It looked just like a boat. It was 25 feet long and it was a two-door. And it was a it was it was it had big fins on it and it had a big huge grill that looked like the teeth of a monster. And um I still remember the smell of that car. It's weird. But I remember us, my dad piled us all in the car, and uh, he took us out in the country somewhere. And we started, Dad, let's see how fast this thing will go. Let's see what this thing will do. And I remember my dad just putting the pedal to the metal until those telephone poles were just flying by. You know what? We're in the 21st century. I love what Brother Chris said. Uh, we're, we're, we're fulfilling prophecy right now. I, I, I'm ready to get this thing out of the box and, and, just, and just say, you know what? Let's see what this baby will do. Let's go ahead and just put the pedal to the metal and go ahead and do that fast. Go ahead and do that all night prayer meeting. Go ahead and live for God with everything you got. Brother Phillips, you need to come on. Put your hands together unto the Lord for the man of God. God bless him and Sister Phillips and Jesus. Well, clap your hands unto the Lord and give God a shout of praise. Clap, him like, clap your hands like you're glad to be in church on Tuesday night. Yay, Lord, yay, Lord, yay, Lord. Amen, amen. It feels good in the house of the Lord. And there is no telling what God will do in this house. And uh, as Pastor Mayo said just a moment ago, you had the faith to show up. And there's just this thing about God that when you show him his faith in you, he shows his, er, when you show his, your faith in him, he shows you his faith in you. It's just, it's this cool thing about God that when you show up, he shows up. Isn't it wonderful? Amen, amen. And so tonight we're just going to get into the word of the Lord and see what God will do. Exodus chapter 15 verse 1 and while you're turning there let me say again what an honor and privilege it is to be here tonight I give honor to your pastor uh, Brother Mayo and I appreciate he, him and his wife they are some of God's best man they are some of God's best they are leaders and, and they are leaders in the way that most people are not in the sense of a lot of people when they're leaders they're wanting people to pat them on the back and all of that so that's what I love about brother and sister Mayo they're just doing the work of God and who cares what everybody else thinks and I like people like that amen that's what's most important and so we honor them tonight and I appreciate them so very much so glad my wife is here and I love her very dearly and I am so very glad I promise you um 
it's not very often at all that I get to be with her on a Tuesday night in church. And usually when that happens, we're both in two separate ways and I'm preaching and she's playing and singing and all of that stuff. And so tonight we just get to enjoy the, the wonderful things of God together. And uh, so I'm glad she's here with me. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord. Why? For he hath triumphed gloriously. It's a pretty good reason to give God praise. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. I wish I had time to get into that. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in many in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of the nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as in heat, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead. In the mighty waters, verse 11 is where I would love to take my text tonight. I would love to draw your attention here probably more than any other. And it says, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Notice little g gods there. It said, who is like thee? It says, you're glorious in holiness. You're fearful in praises. And, and I, don't, I don't know if y'all do that in the northwest, but in the south, you can say something and just say it with a different tone and change the whole meaning of it. It's like, it can be a statement or a question just depending on how you use your voice inflection. That's kind of what Moses does here because you'll notice it is in the form of a question. He makes a statement. He says, this, this is not up for debate. You're glorious in holiness. That's a statement. He said, you're fearful in praises. That's a statement. But as Moses is stepping on to the seashore as what would be called the wilderness, he says, I'm doing wonders? Kind of with a little bit of maybe not seeing everything plainly, he asks this question, doing wonders. I want to preach to us tonight about this thought, wonders in the wilderness. Wonders in the wilderness. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands to heaven and ask the Lord to help us, to touch us, to change us, to challenge us? God, we pray right now that your power, that your spirit, that your anointing would saturate us in this house. Let the power of the Holy Ghost show up in, here on a Tuesday night and absolutely blow our minds. God, I pray right now that you would fill somebody with the Holy Ghost, refill somebody with the Holy Ghost. Fill me again, God. I want your touch. I want a miracle tonight. I want a blessing, God. If nobody else wants anything, I want something from you. I pray it all in your mighty name, in your precious name, in the name of Jesus. 
Come on, clap your hands while you're clapping them. Lift your voice one more time and give God praise. Amen, amen. You may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach. Amen. Exodus chapter 15 is known the song of Moses, the song of dancing, the song of rejoicing. They have just watched as Pharaoh and his army have been cast into the sea. Who wouldn't rejoice on a day like that? Well, I got two people that believe what I just said. I'm going to try that again. Who wouldn't rejoice on a day like that? 400 years of slavery have just come to an end. It's a good time to praise God when you've looked at 400 years of slavery and now it's all over. You know, I'll be honest with you. I worry about people that come to church and can't give God praise over the fact that they've been delivered. I really do. I, I worry about if you really got what I got when God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light and you think, start thinking of the goodness of Jesus on a Tuesday night and even though it's cold and snowing outside that you can come in here and just think about where God's brought you from. There ought to be something that wells up inside of you that if for nothing else you just say, thank you, Jesus, I'm not where I was. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not bound anymore. Thank you. It's a good time to praise the Lord. And that is the setting here. There are timbrels playing. There are shouting and dancing and singing the songs of Zion. For the Lord has brought us out. The horse and his rider hath he cast into the sea. But there is a transition that is trying to take place here. That if you will allow me to say it in my own words, that their minds are not quite ready yet to encase. The Bible says that God is, and and you can just let me give you my version, and you can read the King James and and put all the these and thous in it later, but God is taking them from this place of slavery into a place to where it's vineyards you didn't plant, houses you didn't build, the land's going to flow with milk and honey, and the issue is, is they're not ready for that yet. God's ready, but they're not ready. You know, it's, it's really hard to function when you've got a slavery complex and a promise of a conqueror all at the same time because you can't do both. You've got to operate in one or the other. And so that's why God is, is pushing these people and he's trying to get them. And thankfully, we have the word of God that we can look back and see their mistake and learn from their mistake. And I believe that that's why Paul would write to us and say, let this mind be in you that which was also in Christ Jesus because God is wanting to do things with us and with this generation and with his church that maybe our minds are not yet ready to encase and it looks bigger than what we can believe for. And it's strong and there's demons out there that are stronger than us. I don't know if you know that or not, but on your own, you're not going to make it. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why you need to have the mind of Christ to understand it's not by my might and it's not by my power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Somebody needs to understand there's a promised land that has your name on it and you need to get up and move towards it. Hallelujah. They, the Bible tells us that they were, they were grasshoppers in their own sight. And let me just say something right here. That wasn't their fault. Wasn't their fault. 
For 400 years, they've had somebody telling them when to get up and when to go to bed. It ain't their fault. They're looking in the, Egypt did that to them. Let me tell you what is their fault. They stayed in that mindset. If we're not careful, we'll come to church and we'll start playing the, the victim card of God, this ain't my fault. And guess what? You're right. But it is your fault if you stay that way. It, look, the world did, Egypt did that to them. Egypt gave them that mindset. The world gave you that. You were addicted. You were broken. You were hurting. And so you come into the church dealing with dysfunction, and that's not your fault. But can I tell you that there is a way of escape in this house today that you don't have to leave the same way you came. You, you might have walked in broken, but you don't have to leave broken. You might have walked in hurting and dysfunctional, but you don't have to leave hurting and dysfunctional functional. God is trying to get them to the promised land. And as he is moving them, this is, this is just revelation that God gave me. This is powerful. If you can ever get a hold of this and see what God's trying to do. The Bible says that they murmured against Moses and Aaron. They got mad at the preacher. They started talking bad about the preacher. Got mad and said, what does Moses think he's doing? That's in Numbers chapter, I, I think it's Numbers chapter 16 or Numbers chapter 14. It's one of the two. And in and, and, and the first verses, as they murmured against Moses and Aaron, but you go 20 verses later and God starts handing out their wrath and he starts telling them, this is what's going to happen to you. It's Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 22. It, and the reason I, I like this scripture is it kind of sounds like a redneck wrote it. He said, your carcass will die in the wilderness. That just sounds like a redneck said that. He said, all of this stuff. No, I, I, that ain't right. I ain't in the right one. I'm, I'm somewhere else. It ain't numbers. It's 14 and 29. That's where it's at. And, and so he's telling them, he said, because you have murmured against me. In verse 1, he said, they were murmuring against Moses and Aaron. But in verse 29, God translates it and says, because you murmured against me, letting me know that, yes, they were talking about the preacher, but when God heard it, he said, that wasn't against Moses and Aaron you was talking about. That was against me you were talking about. And so you, you need to understand they're, they're murmuring and they're complaining and they're upset. And, and, and I know tonight you're sitting, well, preacher, we're at church and we're, it's cold outside and the wind's blowing. You're not preaching to us. I know that. So just let me get where I'm going, okay? God, God says, you're going to have to stay in this wilderness. Now, let's just be honest. This ain't fair. He says, everybody that's 20 years old and down, you're going to have to live in this wilderness until the ones that are above die. That ain't fair. I didn't do it. I wasn't a part of the griping and complaining. I wasn't a part of the murmuring. But yet I still got to go through the process of the wilderness. Where's the fun in that? Where's God being fair in that? And there's somebody here tonight that you feel just like that. I'm going through the wilderness and I didn't do anything wrong. I'm going through the wilderness and here I am. I've been living for God. I, I worship when it's time to worship. I run the aisles when it's time to run the aisles. I pray when it's time to pray. I give when it's time to give. And here I am having to live in this wilderness. How can a bunch of 20-year-olds and 19-year-olds keep the faith when they're having to walk around and around in circles in the middle of the wilderness? How can you keep the faith when the God that's supposed to be on your 
inside is allowing you to be punished for things that you did not do. I believe that answer is found in the very question that Moses asked when he starts talking about the Lord. He says, I don't get all this guy. I don't get it all. It doesn't make sense to me, but one thing I know, God is fearful and praises. He's beautiful and glorious, and he's doing wonders. What he was simply saying is, I don't know what the next step is, but I do know the kind of God I serve, and the kind of God I serve will always lead you by the miraculous. Who is he? What is he doing? He's leading me by wonder from wonder to wonder to wonder. He's leading me by the miracles that he's going to do in the wilderness. He's leading me because he keeps showing up and making a way even in the wilderness, even when I don't feel like I'm being treated fair and life is turning upside down. God is still working wonders. Hallelujah. There was a group of people that were complaining and murmuring and and this great God that they serve they started walking. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They're, they've been silenced, and now they're headed towards the promised land. But unfortunately, as the Bible lets us know, an 11-day journey is turning into a 40-year road trip. And you talk about taking the wrong turn. Boy, oh my God. So they're, they're walking, and they get, they're thirsty. And the Bible says that they get to the waters of Mara, and they're named Mara because they're bitter, and they could not drink of them. And the Bible says that they begin to again murmur and complain. And I I don't know because we don't see the whole picture of this, but I just have to believe that somewhere in that group of two to three million Jews, there were some young people. There were some people that did not murmur. There were some people that were looking for the promised land. There were some people that were ready to taste the honey and ready to taste the milk and eat of the grapes that while everybody was complaining, they said, didn't you just see what God did for us? I know you're thirsty. I know you're hungry, but look back over your shoulder just a three-day journey. Don't you remember how God parted the Red Sea? Don't you remember how God closed it in on Pharaoh? Don't. Somebody tonight needs to look back over your shoulder and just see all that God has done and realize things might not be perfect right now, but God's made a way before. God's made a way out before, and if he did it before, he can do it again. When you were at the Red Sea with nowhere to go, God made a way. And I know you're thirsty, but he can make a way on a Tuesday night. I know you feel like it's the end of your rope, but he can make a way again. I know you feel like all hope is lost, but my God can make a way again. Understand this. I read it to you tonight. It's in verse 8. I think it's verse 8. The Bible says, now this is Moses talking. This is how big God is. He said, with a blast of thy nostril, you parted the waters. Do do, do y'all see what I see there? Literally, God sneezed. God blew his nose. Boy, I could preach a message when God's cold is bigger than your dilemma. God sneezed. And the waters parted. And if God can do that, you don't think God can turn bitter water sweet? No, 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 no. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. If God can bring you out of addictions, if God can bring you out of alcoholism, if God can, 
if God could put your family back together again, if God could bring you to an apostolic church and set your feet walking in the right direction, you really think that these bitter waters are too much for God? Honey, I think not. We need to stop griping and complaining and understand that the same God that brought us out of Egypt is still sitting on the throne. The same God that broke the chains of addiction is still sitting on the throne if he did it before. I don't know what you need, but I know how God works. And he always works in the middle of the wilderness. He always works miracles when there's no way for miracles to be happening. He always works signs and wonders when there's no way. It's not... It's not going to happen when you want it to happen. It's not going to happen the way you think it should happen. But so that God get the glory... They get hungry, start crying about that. Isn't it amazing how much like we are the children of, how much like them we are? It's like three days ago, literally three days ago, God has miraculously moved. And all of a sudden, because we're born in sin, shaping an iniquity flesh, we come to church and nobody knows the trouble I've seen. It's amazing how they're marching towards the promised land and God gives them the miraculous to lead them. But that ain't good enough. Listen, they started murmuring just because the cloud was in their way. They started murmuring because there was a fire there at night. And I'm hungry. Anybody ever heard that on a road trip? I'm hungry. What do you want to eat? Bless my little boy's heart. That joker hates Chick-fil-A. His mama has Chick-fil-A'd him to death. It's fast. What do you want to eat? And my little boy would pop up and say, anything but Chick-fil-A. He says, I don't, I don't want, I've done ate that before. And here we are and we're eating the same thing we've been eating. But don't you ever forget that that's angel's food. Well, it's manna again. Acts 2.38 again. Holiness again. Worship again. Praise in the face of your adversity again. Pastor Mayo, are you ever going to figure out something different to eat? You better not ever forget that that's food that angels are eating. You better... Yeah, I know it seems a little bit redundant because you've been walking around in circles, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll learn how to just eat the manna, it won't be long. God will get you out of the wilderness. He'll start. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll be one of the ones walking out of the wilderness into the promised land if you just learn how to be grateful and look for the miracle in the middle of the wilderness. I don't know what God's going to do in your wilderness, but I know he's going to work a wonder. If God was really God, if God really loved us, why would he be leading us around in circles? Is this some kind of cruel game? What is he doing? This doesn't make any sense. And the truth is, is we've all prayed those prayers, whether we want to admit it or not. 
What is God doing? So don't make any sense for a cloud to be in the way. Am I the only one that likes to see where I'm going? I don't like following 18-wheelers on the road. Because I like to be in control of where I'm going. But living for God, it don't work that way. He puts a, a thick cloud in front of them. They can't see where they're going. I, I just have to believe there was some little boy like I was when he was about seven years old. And he walked by a big rock. And the next year when they came by that rock, he thought, huh, I think I remember that rock. As you go look at it, they were walking in circles around the same mountain time and time and time again. By the third time around, he probably wrote his name or something on it. Next year he comes back, Mama, I told you we were going in circles. We've been by this rock before. Why is the cloud leading us in circles? Why is the cloud taking us to the same place that we've always been? Why? Why this? Why that? Don't you ever forget that that cloud is literally the glory of God. And he always leads by the miraculous. See, what, what, what's happening is God is separating the ones that are in wondering and the ones that are in wonderment. What God's doing when we're walking around in circles is he's separating the ones that are happy just walking around in circles and the ones that are so interested in the next miracle that God is doing that they ain't got time to gripe and complain about the manna. What, what are you doing, God? I'm working miracles in ways that you can't even see them. I'm working miracles so that you can understand there's wonder in this. There's glory in this. There's power in this. Don't you ever forget that the God that allowed you to walk into that trial and that test is the same God that's walking with you through the trial and the test. Don't you play the blame game. Don't you get mad at God. You need to learn how to rejoice in the wilderness because the miracle always shows up. Up right when you need it the most. The mi miracles always happen at the last moment in the most unopportune places, but you can bet your bottom dollar, honey, that the miracle's gonna happen. He's gonna work a wonder in the wilderness. It's not easy trying to find the wonder why we're walking around in circles. It's not easy finding the places where God is pouring out the miraculous. And it's frustrating when you're having to grope in the darkness. Let me tell you about this cloud. This cloud that God leads you by. If you're not careful when you reach in it, you can find bitterness. You can find discontentment. You can find grief. Somebody needs to just keep reaching into the cloud till you get a hold of a miracle. I don't know what God's doing. And I, I'm, I'm literally walking in the dark. But I know that God is working. And that's all I have to know. Listen, I, I understand we're intellectual beings. I like to know how God's working. I want to know the next step. I want to know what God's doing next. I, I, I want to have a detailed plan. God, you didn't fax me this. This wasn't in the email. You didn't tell me this was going to happen and this was going to happen and this was going to happen. But God doesn't care how you think it should happen and all of this. Let me just tell you this. God never works with what you have in mind. God always works on what you have in hand. And so what we have to understand is while you're in the wilderness, you don't have a lot at hand. And so when I have 
have in mind is the grapes. What I have in mind is the land that flows with milk and honey. What I have in mind is going back to Egypt. But God says, Moses, I don't want what you have in mind. I want what you got in your hand. What do you have in your hand? Well, I got a staff. I can work a miracle with a staff. There's a tree over there. I can work a miracle with that tree. And they're walking through the wilderness, and you can't see how God's going to work with just a rock. But I'll feed you, and I'll water you out of a rock. And I know you can't see how I'm going to work off of some stuff laying on the ground, but I'll feed you off of that stuff on the ground. There's not a whole lot to touch right now, but that's okay. God don't need a whole lot to work a miracle. God don't need a whole lot to pour out revival. God don't need a whole lot to bless you. God don't need a whole lot to take you to the next level. Stop being frustrated in the wilderness. There's wonder in this. God's people, regardless of dispensation, have always found themselves in wilderness-type situations. In the book of Isaiah, you read through Isaiah, and God's mad. We highlight the prophetic words of Isaiah, but if you read Isaiah in its whole, especially for the first couple of chapters, it ain't good. God is very, very, very upset. And for lack of a better term, he takes off his belt and starts whooping Israel. And for about eight chapters or six chapters, he's whooping on Israel. And then he says, oh yeah, Judah, you come here, you're next. He starts whooping on Judah. God's mad. And there's a remnant of people just like in the wilderness. They didn't do anything wrong but yet they've got to suffer with the ones that did. And they come to Brother Isaiah and say, Preacher, don't you have anything good to tell us? Don't, don't, don't you have something to give us some hope? And he says, yeah, I got one word for you. Well, what's the word? It's about the Messiah. Well, tell us about the Messiah. He says, when he gets here, he's going to be wonderful. Yeah. That's it? That, that, that's all I get? Yeah, that's all you get. Because you got to learn how to hold on through the trial and through the test on just finding the little glimpse of wonder in the wilderness. So when he comes, you're going to know him because the world's going to be turned upside down and it's going to be brother against brother. But when he shows up on the scene and he's born in a manger and he gets to be about 30 years old, he's going to start working wonders in a wilderness land. He's going to start doing things that are going to blow people's mind. How are you going to know the Messiah is going to get here? He's going to show up being full of wonder. And can I tell you tonight uh, that the Messiah is coming back the same way. Uh, it's going to be with miracles, signs, uh, and wonders in the last day. Uh, I believe that we're living in prophecy. Uh, and the closer we get to the Lord coming back, the more miracles I think we're going to see. Uh, the more signs and wonders uh, we're going to see in a wilderness. We've got this idea that God's going to come back when the church is in, in a perfect world and when everything's right. Honey, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that everything's perfect. When I read it, I see wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in divers places. The time is not yet. He says, but there's going to come a day when I get ready to come back and the world's going to be in a wreck. But I'm going to be working miracles in the middle of all that. I'm going to be working signs and wonders in the middle of turmoil. 
in the middle of brother against brother, mother against daughter, father against son. I'm going to show up and pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I know it looks bad, but I got a God that knows how to work a wonder in the wilderness. We put a lot of emphasis in the transition from the tabernacle to the temple. It's in the temple that there's gold, there's silver, brass, a million dollar building in today's money. But I am persuaded that God's people in that moment lost sight of the wonders you don't believe me, you look, it's not far after they get into the temple that they start backsliding. We've traded in, this is literally what they did, they traded in gold for glory. So we, we, we've had this God coming down once a year for 40 years, we don't want that no more. Give us the gold. And I know the Spirit of the Lord falls to where the priest can't even stand to minister on the day of the inauguration of the temple. But how many more times do you see that? It's not often because God's people lost focus on the fact that things are bad, but we still got a God that's in control. They lost focus on the fact that the only reason I'm here is because I walked from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. Let me tell you something. I don't know what else to preach because this is all I know. I was raised on an apostolic pew. I was raised in a bus and in a car and in a van going from church to church to church and I can tell you from experience what it's like to roll change just to get enough gas to get to the next revival but I can also tell you that every time it was almost the end and we didn't have any more money and everything was going upside down and everything was bad that God stepped in and God started making a way and out of nowhere there was miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm telling you that in the midst of all, you want to know why I'm still in church and why I don't begrudge the evangelism field as a child and why I'm not upset at why my mama and daddy drug me from revival to revival is because I've seen cancer healed in the middle of that and I've seen diabetes healed in the middle of that and I've seen the dead raised in the middle of that. It was a wilderness for me, but while I was in the wilderness, God was showing me from miracle to miracle to miracle that I'm still a God that works wonders. You know, I want to know how I know the story of this church. I, I, I don't know it, it, in its, it, it in its entirety. But I do know this, because I know how God works, that the Northwest was a wilderness. But God sent a man here that learned how to follow the miraculous. If you want to know where God's working, just follow the miracles. That's it. That's why we can't afford to have average and ordinary church even on Tuesday night because somebody's in a wilderness and they need to know that this is a place where the glory falls. This is a place where there's wonders. I don't understand it all. I don't know how God put that marriage back together again, but he did a wonder. He did a wonder. He did a miracle in the wilderness. We spend so much time wanting to get to the better days ahead. And believe me, I, I look forward to them. 
and it, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. But don't you ever forget that literally will, the, the word wilderness in the Hebrew, and, and at its base root, it means God speaks. God's talking to you while you're in the wilderness. I know, I, I know I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody that came to church and you almost didn't show up tonight. The tears were rolling down your face as you were putting your bobby pins in your hair. The tears were bowing down your face as you were tying your tie, getting ready to get to the house of God. God, why am I going through this? I've come to tell you tonight, I don't know why you're going through it, but I do know this. You need to stop looking at the wilderness and start looking for the wonder. In the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it starts talking about stuff inside of the Ark of the Covenant, the glory inside of the Ark. If you will, the guts of the Ark. In the book of Hebrews, it records that it was Aaron's staff that budded. It was the golden pot of manna. It was the, it was the, tab, the, the tablets of the commandments. Inside of this holy box, it's full of glory, and every time it shows up, God's people win a battle. And it's all filled with stuff that was found, not in the promised land, not when everything was going good. It's full of stuff that was found in the wilderness. You want to know what, the, what makes up the guts of the church is people that know how to live for God when they can't feel God. That it, you want to know? You want to know how to live for God when you come to church and don't feel like running, run. You don't feel like praying, pray. When you don't feel like giving, give. Because there's something about a saint that learns how to find glory in the wilderness that God said that's the guts of the church. That what make up the body. That's what's going to give them strength to make it another day, another year. Don't give me some saint that's only Sunday and Tuesday saints. I can't live for God on that. I need somebody that knows what it's like to go through something and you never lost your faith but you kept on picking up manna and you kept on drinking water from the rock. You want to know what's going to build a church in this city? It's saints that know how to find the glory, and they're not worried about the cold. What's God doing? Tell you what he's doing. He's building a church that knows how to look when you can't see anything and all you're doing is reaching into the cloud. He's building a church out of a people that come from broken lifestyles. They came out of Egypt. They came out of slavery and now they're walking around in circles just looking for their next miracle. Listen to me. If you don't want your miracle on a Tuesday night, I want it. If you don't want a breakthrough, I want a breakthrough. If you don't want a blessing, that's fine, but I want a blessing because I've learned that there's something about this wilderness experience that you can't get anywhere else. I would, listen, by now y'all know who I am. 
I love to shout. I love to dance. I love to run the aisles. And I love it when I get the goosebumps from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. But I'm going to tell you what living for God is like. It's like last night my wife and I came in this building and I didn't feel God for about 25, 30 minutes. I'll just be honest with you. I was praying when I knew how to pray. I done said I love you, Jesus, so many times. I, I, by that time, he had to know I loved him. I, I done said hallelujah, but somewhere about 20, 30 minutes in, I, I found a piece of glory. I, I found something in the wilderness. I, it was dry and dirty and dusty land but somewhere in the middle of my walk with God I found a a piece of glory that I could pick up that would take me another day I love to run and shout and dance but sometimes you do it and you don't feel like it sometimes I shout and I don't feel nothing but you know what I'm doing I'm feeling that I'm feeling that arc with stuff from the wilderness. I'm, I'm, I'm filling up that ark with stuff that you can't find on a high from Sunday. I'm finding glory. If my wife would help me, I, I know this is random. You, you weren't expecting that, but you, you can help me tonight anyway. When I was a kid, I was grew up in church, as I told you, and it was right before my dad began to evangelize my uh, grandma, God bless her heart. <coughs> I come back in October. I'll get to tell y'all some stories about Mama Thomas. My Mama Thomas is a prayer warrior. My Mama Thomas, you better not ask her for prayer if you in Walmart and you embarrass the Jesus, cause she ain't. Cause she'll lay hands on you. You gonna get tongues interpretation on aisle nine. She ain't scared. I love that about her. And I, I'm going to tell you, Sister Mayo, I learned how to pray as a seven and eight year old boy going to Monday morning prayer meeting with the ladies. I would go to prayer. Mama would drag me to prayer during the summer. And I felt weird because I was the only boy there. But I, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know how y'all do it up here, but when I was growing up, if Mama was praying, it didn't matter if you wanted to pray or not, you prayed. Because she was going to lay hands on you and pray for you until you started praying. And if that took three hours, go ahead and be hard-headed. She was more hard-headed. And I remember going to that little church in Corinth, Mississippi, just right across the Tennessee line from where I was raised. And there was a sweet lady that came to church faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. She was faithful to the church. Every Monday... She would be at ladies' prayer meeting. And I can look back and vividly remember, to be honest with you, I cannot remember her name, but I can vividly remember her clothes being homespun. I can remember the jalopy she drove up in that was, it might have had good, two good tires on it if she was lucky. They was Maypops. Maypop now, Maypop later. It didn't run half the time. I can remember when they would give prayer requests at, at ladies' prayer meetings, she would seemingly be the one with the longest list. But as that lady would pray and I would lay on the back pew and play with my little Hot Wheels and pray a little bit and listen to them ladies pray, I can remember sitting on the back pew. And after she would pray a little while, 
I'm talking about a lady that had nothing. She'd start singing, Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus our Lord wonderful? Y'all know that song up here? Eyes not seen, ears not heard. What's recorded in God's Word? Isn't Jesus our Lord wonderful? And as an eight-year-old kid, I didn't get it. I, it didn't make sense to me. As a matter of fact, I questioned it, Pastor Mayo. Because how can a lady that came to church with nothing, her, her husband doesn't live for God, her children don't live for God, she's in clothes she made for herself, she's driving a car that barely runs, her life is a wreck, and how can she sing how wonderful God is? But when I got older and I started living for God for myself, I finally got the revelation of what that little lady was singing, that she found a piece of glory that this eight-year-old boy didn't have and it was that I've been through the wilderness and I might not have a whole lot but I've got some glory that I found in this wilderness. I've got glory that I found in my brokenness. If you'll stand with me, I'm closing but every day I pray, God make me more like that little lady. Help me to understand I'm thankful for all the blessings you've gave me. God, I want you to know I am so grateful. But if you never do anything else, I found glory in this wilderness. I want to know what Solomon's biggest issue was. Saul, it came too easy to him. Just hand it to them. You better thank God for that wilderness you're walking through. Because God's speaking. God's talking. There's wonders showing up. I just believe. Call me crazy. You can say I'm trying to hype you up because I'm an evangelist. I don't care what you think. But I just believe that somebody came to church tonight and you've been walking around in circles in your life living for God and you're frustrated with the process because you're going through things because of something that somebody else did. You're fighting bitterness, you're fighting anger, you're fighting grief and all of these things because of somebody else's fault. was somebody else's fault. Can I just tell you what I believe? I believe that there's a miracle in this house. I believe that there's glory in this house. There's a wonder here for you tonight to keep you going one more day. And I don't know how long your wilderness is going to last. I wish I did. I wish I could tell you it's ending this week. It's ending. Listen, if I knew all that stuff, I'd be a whole lot richer man because I'd have people lined up and I'd write a book about it. And I'd tell you how to fix it. And I'd tell you how to get out of the wilderness. I don't know how. All I know is while I'm in the wilderness, it's just my job to keep reaching into the cloud. <laughs> it's just my job to keep singing about how wonderful he is. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take for you. None of my business. 
but I just believe there's a wonder for you here tonight. Somebody might be looking at bankruptcy and it's, if I don't have $100,000, I don't know, you, you might get it, you might not. Somebody... Your marriage is on the rock. You know, somebody, your, your mind is in turmoil and you're depressed and you're oppressed and you're fe- dealing with fear and anxiety because the walls of life are closing in. But I'm telling you right here across this building right now in the Holy Ghost, if you could see what I see, there's manna on this altar. There's manna in this altar call. And if you could just make your way to the place to find that little bit of glory, to a place to find that little, I, I don't know what you need tonight, but whatever you need from the Lord, why don't you come get it? Why don't you come receive it from him? There's a miracle in this house with your name on it. There's a blessing here. There's a wonder in your wilderness. Come on. Come on, somebody ought to lift your voice. Somebody ought to lift your voice right now. Come on, from the front to the back, side to side. Find yourself a place where you can pick up a piece of glory. Find yourself a place where you can find the wonder. Working in this place, I worship you. I worship you. Come on, right now, right now, right now. Don't wait till Sunday. Don't wait till next week. You need a miracle tonight. Come on, you need to settle this tonight. If I have to live in this wilderness for the rest of my life, if I never make it out, I'm going to keep picking up pieces of glory. God's got enough to keep you. God's got enough to sustain you another day. I worship you.